It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Welcome to Time Enough Podcast. This is where we look at episodes of The Twilight Zone and beyond. This is Matt here. Joining us today is from the One on One podcast. It's Juan Ayala. Hello. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, I dig yours talking about, you know, all the uh, wild roads of the occult, you know, ufology, all, all the things that kind of dovetail in with The Twilight Zone nicely. <laughs> yeah. How much am I dragging you in on this one? Is this like, is like something you'd catch in those marathons or is it kind of like all new for you? It's new for me, man. I've never, to be honest with you, I've never watched Twilight Zone. It was the first time I watched it. That's why I wanted to come on. Go, that sounds interesting. Let's go ahead and do it. Something different, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, it's, you know, for as I see, it's kind of a keystone of TV. It's kind of like where TV started getting smarter. <laughs> mm-hmm. But... I, I, the whole time, right? Even just the intro alone of that show, which is pretty psychedelic. I said they were playing this in the '60s and the '50s. They were playing. They let people watch this stuff, like all the occult symbolism and vampires and time travel. They let people watch this stuff, and there's a reason why they don't make that anymore, right? There's a reason why they don't make movies like The Matrix or Fight Club, these cerebral movies that speak to people's souls on a deeper level, you know. Yeah, I, especially like the the mainstream. I, I feel like if we get into like indie cinema and stuff, you can definitely find some, you know, some things here and there. But yeah, the um, in Japan, basically, if I go to the movie theater, it's going to be like Star Wars or a Marvel movie, you know? Well, Which they're it, all funded by 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 the Chinese and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's how, it, you know, you got to get it played there because that's half of your market now. It just it kills a movie now if it can't play in China, right? So, yeah, exactly. And, and I, I love to go see the, uh, you know, the Marvel Star Wars. It's, it's fun to get that blasted in your face. But there's not so much to um, talk about. I have a sci-fi podcast where I thought we'd just be hardcoring those movies. And we barely talk about those because there's, there's not much meat there. <laughs> yeah, and it was crazy that, did you see the John Cena thing when he called Taiwan, like the people of Taiwan, he went on and he was speaking and it was Chinese apologizing for considering Taiwan a place. Oh yeah, they don't that, even exist, and and that would have gotten his movie like you know kind kind of like slammed, right? Because now if mm -hmm. China don't want to show it, you're kind of shafted. So, yeah, uh, yeah which is pretty weird. Of course, today we're we're going a little over to the Philippines, um, and I want to do just a little bit of trivia. And one I didn't write is, um, I, I guess a lot of people aren't aware, but Rod Serling, the the creator of the Twilight Zone, and um, he actually this episode i guess is a little close to home because he was in world war ii in this front so this has very much to do with his personal experience interesting um, he was uh somewhat severely wounded in that theater and uh, you know with you know the sort of aches and pains that uh, stick with you for the rest of your life so he definitely got damaged in this war so it's kind of i guess a personal thing for him but uh as far as the director here, we've already seen director Richard L. Bear's hand at work in the episode third from the sun, and he'll be back for five more episodes 
a couple of which are stone cold classics. William Reynolds played Lieutenant Fitzgerald. He got his start in some B-level films for Universal in the 50s, but really made his mark on the 60s TV series, The FBI, getting those letter agencies. <laughs> Captain Phil Riker was played by Dick York, enshrined in pop culture as the first Darren on Bewitched. The actor switch on that show was due to the long lingering effects of a back injury York sustained while working on the film. They came to Con uh, Cordura. Cordura. By the 80s, he had gotten past it, but soon was consumed by emphysema since he'd also been a three packs a day sort of guy. Still can't help but love the dick. York. <laughs> uh, so, go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm going to bring something up after you're done. Oh, go ahead, because I'm actually going to uh, prologue you in a moment. But uh, what, what you have on your mind? This Rod Sterling guy, I, I or Sterling, I'm sorry. I'd be interested to dive into his history, right? He was a Freemason or whatever. Not saying that, not anything against Freemasons, but a part of his secret society. And then I looked up here in search of ancient astronauts in 1973. And I think I might give that a watch because it looks interesting. And it was directed with Rod Serling. He was part of this project. Yeah. In 1973. Yeah, oh, Eric von Daniken too. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that before. I, I think it has a little bit of a Carl Sagan doing the debunking, or at least the alternative perspective vibe on that one. So he's the narrator in it. I mean, I'm gonna. Oh, and Carl Sagan is in it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Warner von Braun is in it. What? <laughs> oh, what? Oh man, this rabbit hole. Okay, I'm done looking. No. Oh yeah, that uh, that is. Uh, a very cool video to watch so uh you know maybe i'll get back to you on that one because i actually yeah i do that sort of thing on my podcast as well but as for now let me bring up and um you've only seen two episodes now so you don't need to do like an impression in fact i've had people come on and like read it like goofy so however you want to yeah. read it is fine <laughs> i'm not much of a role player so i'm going to read it regularly and it's infantry platoon u.s marine philippine islands 1945 these are the faces of the young men who fought as if some omniscient painter had mixed a tube of oils that were at one time earth brown, dust gray, blood red, beard black, and fear, yellow, white. And these men were the models. For this is the province of combat, and these are the faces of war. All right. So, um, of course, the prologue doesn't give us the, the full gist of the story, which I guess we should flesh out a bit, which is that... Um, not. Not private Freeman. Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald. Yeah, yeah, Lieutenant Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald starts to get this thing where he can see the portents of death on people's faces, which as a superpower seems to be like one of the, the crappier ones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how deep your dork goes, but I started thinking of, uh, you, you ever read X-Men? Not a big Marvel or comic type of guy, but I'm familiar with, you know, the superficial stuff. No, actually, this this is a little deep geek because uh, it's it's the the New Mutants, but they had one of their characters that was Cipher. He could speak or understand any language, which <laughs> doesn't that, do. He ends up getting shot it. by a bullet. Yeah, he ends up getting shot by a bullet and dying like twenty episode, uh, twenty issues later. So, it's like, did, what's did, your superpower? I can grow my nails right now, and then you start growing your nails. Like, okay, I guess you're gonna scratch me. Is that from Family Guy or something? No, that's the that's the. Uh, crappiest second x-men that would be marrow where marrow can grow bone spurts out <laughs> or something that was actually after my time reading it but yeah it's, it's 
kind of fun. I, I guess it's not so much a power that Lieutenant Fitzgerald has, though, as as a curse. Yeah, yeah. Because eventually, I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, once we get to eventually, he saw his own death, right? Exactly. And, and you can spoil. I, I can't imagine so many people would be coming in and listening without having a look at the video first. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, spoilers are, are on the table that he's... And you mentioned he sees his own death, but it seems he's only been having this go on for like a couple days, maybe. And I'm not 100%. I don't know about the occult over there in the Philippines, but maybe perhaps, right, they're invading these people. They're killing these people. They're doing atrocities in this area of the world. And who knows, maybe somebody cursed him while he was there because it just so happens how you said he had only been seeing it for a couple of days and then he was telling the guy at the beginning what was it i'm two out of three or two out of five something like that where he's like how are you sure that you're not just making this all up the guy's a real big skeptic and then he was he turns out to be right because even the guy that he was telling him hey don't don't go because you're gonna go he's like oh you're just you're i'm gonna go anyways and then obviously he dies as well and people around him start to see like, OK, so who's this psychic guy? You know, what's all this baloney type of thing? What's really going on? He's like, well, I can see people die. And it's weird that at the end he gets on the in the car knowing that they're going to die. Almost like this this hero's journey type of thing. Well, th if this is my fate. Let me accept it. I don't know. I found that odd at the end where they he just went and that was that. And they heard well, they heard the bombs go off and. Hey, there they go. That's it. He's like, it's going to be a four hour ride. He's like, yeah, we're not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he was still slightly skeptical himself, but, um, or the strength of, you know, like military conditioning where it's like, I'm the lieutenant and I'm stuck in this path. And there's really, what's he going to do? Go AWOL in the jungle? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's really not much you can do, especially being in those types of, I, I and I couldn't even imagine, but, you said that Ron Rod Serling was in Vietnam as well. Uh, World War Two, so he was in the, oh, okay. the Pacific Theater World War Two. Yeah, I can only imagine the type of things that they saw out there. What if they did see? Because I am a big Nicolas Cage fan, and we have this theory that he makes these movies in order to either like some sort of Pythagorean portray these life thoughts that he had or these other past lives, and he's living all these lives throughout his movies. What if Rod was also doing the same thing where he was putting in these stories, right? You have even Aleister Crowley that writes books as a story, but it turns out it might've been on an actual real life thing, but it's shrouded in, uh, behind the facade of it being a story. You know what I mean? That's why I always tell people and shows like this, that trip me out where I say, why are they letting people see this? Right. We know we know that Plato talked about how the art spoke to people's souls. And this is what these right, reptilian overlords don't want. They don't want you being inspired or to know about the occult because it's do as I say, not as I do. So when I see shows like this, I look at the deeper part of it of like who, why is he writing this? Is it really a story or is it really maybe one of his past lives that he was or maybe an experience they had in World War II, because we know World War II was an occult war, which that relates to it too. Yeah. Um, for this one, I mean, you know, could have local legends might have been something. I, I'm not sure specifically for this episode, and I'm going to uh, give people a little bit of a spoiler for uh, two weeks from now, which is Mirror Image episode. 
um, without getting too deep, basically there's a doppelganger, right? Kind of another kind of very, something that does show up in the occult mythology. Um, and he says he got the idea for that script, just being in an airport and seeing someone, you know, about a hundred feet away turned around. And he's like, that person looks exactly like me. Once it, he turned around, you know, it didn't look anything like him at all. But the idea Who says stuck. this Rod? This was uh, Rod Serling. Yeah. He really? said he got the idea for the script, seeing someone from the back. And it's like, that person could be me. What if he turned around and it was me? Oh, that's trippy, dude. So that's it was just so psychedelic. Yeah, it was just like a random thought in the airport that led to this really great episode. And I'm thinking just with his war experience, um, like the occult stuff in here might have also been like something like, um, you know, a Filipino idea. I, I don't know so much about uh, about the deeper stranger there uh whatever but i know some death portents um australia i've heard about the pointing the bone the shaman will point the bone at someone that means you're gonna die right so if mm -hmm. you are of that culture you're like oh crap i'm gonna die whereas yeah. if you know the, the europeans first coming in we're like well you're pointing a bone at me um i live in japan where the number four is very ominous that's the number of death so like you wouldn't give uh, someone a set of, say, four placemats <laughs> because it's like uh, suggesting death. Yeah, you give them three or five or, or, you know, two or six, I guess. But my wife's family uh, on her mom's side, they're all Japanese. And I know they're very superstitious. I know you're not supposed to cut your nails after what, 6 p.m. I think it was or 8 p.m., something like that. Yep, that is correct. Although in my house, we we break that particular custom um yeah yeah all the time <laughs> yeah the, but the symbolism behind even the four i you know i i study the theology of arithmetic right and pythagoras and all that that's i'm real deep in that and it's interesting because that's the, like the, the the formation number the demiurge's number so that's that's interesting that they don't like that number well um in japanese it's uh each nisan she she meaning also meaning death really so if you watch an anime and you hear someone screaming like Shinei! that that yeah actually if you want to get real specific it means death right but um you know it's like i'm going to kill you so a lot of times they'll change the numbering to each nissan yon i had a kid a student like just last week you know kind of pointing at me yeah he was he was counting the kids in the classroom right and point at me is she and the other kids like kind of flipped out and they're oh yon 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 <laughs> like like they just given me the purple testament death portent or something so that that's my personal experience with this <laughs> Jeez, yeah i'm trying to look up here as we speak the, the the cult in the philippines but i'm not really finding much but there is paganism and occult practices as far as that goes and, and witchcraft which right we have the same sort of figures all throughout history, right? I, I always talk about like the Wendigo, Skinwalker, uh, the Watigo. You have Bigfoot, like all these paranormal, if you will, egregores type of thing. Like maybe these projections, perhaps, where I, I think that they're all over the place. They all just have different names in different countries. How these ancient civilizations all interpreted the same and different, the same gods and different names, you know, all throughout all of history. Yeah, being an island chant, I would imagine they, you know, there might be some recurring themes, but I imagine from one place to another, you'd find some quite different uh, traditions and things. Yeah. Um, of course, I mean, you know, Sterling had his boots on the ground uh, in the war and got some of that in, but I, 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 I don't know how much of an expert he would have been on that. Um, 
something about this episode is tell me if you feel this way too it really does feel you mentioned maybe he was cursed i really every time i think back i just think of a witch in the episode and there's not a witch or anything like that at all but yeah and maybe it's like witchy stuff you know <laughs> the yeah you don't see like a sort of character that perhaps put this on him but that's why i said they were out in the field they had boots on the ground so who's to say that they didn't run into somebody who right right before they died was a practicing pagan or a cultist or sorcerer or whatever and said you know these people are going to kill me but i'm going to get the last laugh and i'm going to put some sort of hex on this guy and he's going to be able to watch all his friends die around him and he's going to eventually be able to see his own death where who knows if that jumps from person to person like after it was done with him it jumped onto some other guy but we won't know because right they go oh well what was that what, what did he say oh it's thunder and it ended up being that they got blown up because he yeah. saw his own death so again this weird occultic and and you mentioned if rod sterling or serling knows about this sort of stuff if you're writing about this i think you're gonna have some sort of idea okay let's like hp lovecraft where you talk oh i'm not a practicing occultist but you talk to all your themes and everything in your in your writings hints at the fact that you had understanding of the occult and understood these these ideas right even though you stated in your letters which you wrote over a hundred thousand letters that you weren't a practicing occultist but you did have an idea of what and how and what it was and how it worked so when it comes to these guys i don't know how many episodes there are in the twilight zone i saw that there was a new uh rendition of the show too they made a new series like uh, a, a modern day yeah there's been three reboots of it and uh the most recent one was uh like a year or two ago with uh jordan peele from key and peele really yeah <laughs> out of all the people that guy he's the narrator <laughs> what it, the heck it's actually like it presses the buttons really hard. Like if you are looking for, you know, like agendas in Hollywood, it's there, but uh, it is yeah, really well made. It's quite compelling. Like it's well made. And he is there. Uh, there's a key in Peel's sketch, uh, Turbulence, which has uh, Peel is like the flight attendant trying to just get a guy to sit down. And it's becomes very intense and almost Twilight Zone like, even though it's a comedy sketch. So you can kind of, and then he's made some horror movies, so it, it kind of works. But yeah, yeah, when you first see him as the narrator, it's a little jarring as Jordan Peele does his Rod Serling. <laughs> I'm gonna have to check it out because right, Rod Serling was uh, iconic. Like the intro is like the most iconic thing. Like I, I've been the only thing I knew about the Twilight Zone because this is the first two episodes that I ever watched. And I'm sure I've seen maybe clips here and there, but uh, the first time I heard about it was at Disney, the 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 elevator of terror, whatever it's called. Have you ever been to Disney Disney World? Yeah, yes, yeah, the Tower of Terror. The Tower of Terror, yes, yes. And it's been years since I've been there. And that's really the only time I've seen or heard of the Twilight Zone. And I knew it was psychedelic. And actually, after watching these two episodes, my my friend told me he's like, yo, you should just turn it on while you're working and just have it playing in the background while you watch it and he told me that the newer series the newer stuff is not as good right because again how i said they don't make these cerebral type shows anymore that really highlight these themes because they're dude they're they're out there like the the even the other episode that we watch is out there it's i'm like are, they they let people watch this stuff they, they you know what i mean they let people consume this content there's a reason why they stopped it because it could 
speak to some people and and if you want to buy the whole QAnon Hollywood uh, cabal conspiracy it plays into that because they put these symbols out there and it's up to you to interpret them if you'd like to or not um he actually followed up the show so i would say the, the one show that actually is close to being as good as twilight zone is called um night gallery where he was still the narrator it's actually in color that's kind of fun sometimes but um he wasn't quite as involved but that show was definitely like we want more monsters and just supernatural stuff and not just like psychedelically trippy ideas so sometimes they do show up in that show too but it's more likely just to uh i was watching one not too long ago it's a it's a crippled tennis player whose wife is cheating on him so he uses astral projection to to uh, murder the the lover but it's dark at night and he accidentally goes and murders himself oh <laughs> what that is so crazy i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm writing all this down so i can check it out because i'm into this type of stuff that's wild that is that is that is pretty crazy i i, I forgot the name of the movie where you know speaking of psychedelic stuff where uh, i think it was ascension or something like that it came out a couple of years ago where He's trying to save his wife in, it, from be, they, so they upload people's consciousness into a computer, right? Into this like mm. almost cube like thing, right? The cube symbolism mm. and they upload their consciousness into that so they could live forever. But they were going to unplug his wife because his subscription to the service had run out. And once they unplug it, that's it. She's gone forever. Spoiler, it, it, spoiler alert. It turns out that he was fighting for his wife in the in the movie but it was him who was going to be unplugged and his wife was in the real world so at the end when he's saving his wife but they eventually unplug her they were unplugging him so yeah. it's like this dimension inside another dimension like again the the astral realm of things where you think you know you're fighting you're you're astral projecting within a dream so again it was very trippy and it was this plot twist at the end where as soon as I realized what, what was going on, I said, oh, wow. Like now it makes sense as to why everything was going on the way it was going on in the, in the movie, which was, again, very trippy. But take that as you will. <laughs> um, I'm kind of curious how the effect there's only really one special effect in here, which is the uh, the death portent face. And, and, you know, it's now it's a 60 year old show. How, how did that play with you? I've I was wondering when he mentions i can see it in their face i can see the death in their face i wondered what they were gonna do i thought I, wh what i was expecting going in was he would look at them and he would have like some sort of vision in his in his mind and they would like play a vision or something but then it was like this just this light <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of a letdown because i was expecting something completely different but again it's this it's the fifth late 50s early 60s so they did the best that they could. And I don't know. It kind of reminds me of some sort of astral light, right? That Helena Blavatsky talked about where it's this thing that's always there. And we're part of it, but you can't really see it unless you have some certain type of de deeper understanding when it comes to these sort of things, right? This apperceptive, apperceptive power, if you will, to the paranormal. And some people have it, right? I think, I think children have it. And, and I think children are able to see auras and even Manly P. Hall writes about this where uh, up until the age of seven, there is, right. We know the body doesn't conserve any organs that aren't important. 
So if something in the body is irrelevant, it will just shrivel away by evolution. If you want to believe in that, it will shrivel away eventually throughout time. And we know about the pineal gland that is supposedly this antenna. And during the hyperborean times, we when when due to the two eyes, right? Because you're talking about cyclopses and all and giants and all that stuff. With the two eyes, this antenna, if you will, was actually outside of our body, sort of thing, right? It was like an, pretty much like an, an antenna to be able to pick up who knows what, you know, paranormal or 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 another dimension. And through the development of the eyes, it was pushed back into the brain, which is where we have the pineal gland, supposedly, because we know that reptiles have a third eye with a retina at times on top of their head. We know about this, and supposedly. When children's skulls finally fuse at the age of fully fuse at the age of seven, they have this apperceptive power until the age of seven of being able to see into other dimensions or other things that aren't there, right? Where the veil is thinner. And I've even experienced it with my son where he's, you know, when he was smaller, he would be laughing by himself. And again, who knows if he was just being a kid, but it makes you think of why the elites use children. And it's got to do with their aura and their pureness and their, you know, lack of indoctrination, if you will. I've been teaching myself like sort of meditation techniques and stuff. So I, I, I guess I've maybe, well, actually in a certain way, maybe I haven't surpassed this experience, but I grew up uh, going to my parents' uh, Episcopal church, right? And being totally bored by the, the, the preacher, of course. But, but I, what I would do is sitting, we're in the balcony, I'm just staring at the guy. And I didn't realize this is actually, you know, a powerful meditation where like blackness would come in from all the corners until everything vanished. My eyes are still open, but you know, I start seeing, you know, other things, which that's, that's Tibetan meditation, right? So <laughs> oh. you know, one point meditation, I guess, which I was doing when I was seven years old. I, I'd have trouble doing it now. I think you have, yeah, yeah, exactly. You have prayer as one of the most powerful forms of magic, but they've taken it and people have taken it and they've used it from a more egotistical point of view so when you pray to something or this higher entity you're asking 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 you're not supposed to do that you're supposed to just pray and and you know enough collective consciousness that comes together and it manifests right it's another form of manifestation it's interesting that you brought up meditation because i was actually trying some wim hof breathing exercises the other night in bed and I kind of felt like I was slipping through something, but then I got tired and fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I actually do that, but I do it in the, the middle of the day. And um, mm. I, I'm it's winter and I'm in the mountains. I am pretty I, I do get the cold, you know, getting cold water. But uh, actually, it's the cold shower that I really hate. Mm -hmm. uh, we have hot springs in Japan, which I go to like once or twice, sometimes three times a week. But, uh, you know, I, I'll do a thing where I go to the cold bath and then the sauna and kind of back and forth. But, you know uh the the cold bath is that that is an experience i i, I know living yeah. in america it's kind of difficult to even find somewhere you can do that but uh <laughs> yeah and you have right it's supposed to help you with your immune system and stuff and i've i've taken cold showers not cold enough i don't think right now with <laughs> ice and how you see these guys on tiktok doing it but i've been I, i've done uh, sensory deprivation that's my other form of of meditation if you will uh just go into a float tank and and try to become one with your consciousness, which is so hard nowadays, right? Because we're all connected. And I swear, bro, I swear, I hear my phone vibrating while I'm in there, even though, even when it's on complete silence. Oh, yeah. We all have fan <laughs> phantom ring uh, syndrome now. <laughs> yeah. I hear like, mm, I'm like, I wonder who's calling me. And, and I know my phone's off. So, 
But again, we're conditioned to to be able to really let go. And I think that's the hardest part of it all. Uh, I asked a few questions for all of these episodes. The first one being, um, who actually went into the Twilight Zone? Who actually went into the Twilight Zone? Yeah. Who was in the... the... Oh, kind of meta- it, it... Meta- metaphorically speaking. <laughs> In the episode or in life? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> in the in this episode, <laughs> I think I think that yeah, the 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 main character I forgot his name was Fitzgerald. Mm. I think he was able to see what what uh, St- uh, Serling talks about at the beginning, right? Where where man is able to go into whatever. I think it was him who was able again to see this aura of light in people's faces through the where the veil is thinner. I think he's the one that really went into the Twilight Zone, unless you count the guys who died, and I don't know if that counts as going to the Twilight Zone or not. But that's I think he I'm was a- there during the episode. Yeah, that's why I'm know. asking a question because I'm like, well, are they? Maybe those guys didn't really go. Well, they're victims of the Twilight yeah. Zone, but maybe it's just that split second of uh being seen. Because the only one that really reacts, he doesn't know what's happening with the first four guys that die. The only time he really understands it is with his superior and with himself. So um, and he starts to connect the dots. Yeah. So his captain, I, I would I'd say his captain counts because he has to make a decision based on the information that his lieutenant's giving him. So or, or maybe he, he's in the Twilight Zone, but he, he's not willing to recognize it. There's kind of a mm. Cassandra complex thing going on here. If you want to bring in some mythology. Right. So you or know, maybe he, he was dead the whole time. And the episode was just a figment of of a dead man's mind or something who knows yeah we, we do have those episodes in the twilight zone for sure yeah <laughs> boltzmann Bolt, boltzmann's brain have you heard about that uh actually no it's got to do with the vacuum of space where atoms are always coagulating and coming together and it's a thought experiment where if these things are coming together and and dissolving instantly that at some point in the vacuum of space anywhere in in space and time out there there is the possibility that a whole human brain is able to connect its neurons, become a full-size actual human brain and connect even for just a microsecond and live an entire lifetime and, and instantly just dissolve back into, uh, into space and time. Well, yeah, that, that's Boltz, the... It's called Boltzmann's brain. Look it up. Okay. Yeah, it makes me think of just sort of the, um, some, some of the Hindu-Buddhist ideas, you know, where the... Uh, Maya is here because the the one the the great whatever is sleeping and yes. once it stops dreaming we're we're gone or or yeah. well we're more maybe you know maybe, maybe dreaming's not the best in this case. Oh, well, Lovecraft wrote about that. Well, I think it was either Azathoth or something like that, where he where the dumb idiot god that was dreaming this entire reality he didn't even know he was dreaming it. The Aborigines as well they talk about this sleeper where it's it's this 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 higher entity was always asleep and is creating reality in his in his sleep so well, yeah the whole the whole idea of dream time is based like for some original groups in australia you know the dream time is more real than than this mm-hmm. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. like more yeah. important so it's, you... it's neo in the matrix they're asleep but they're awake the entire time this false reality again it's very psychedelic when you really it, think about it and there's some communities there's uh, uh again they're, they're the more aboriginal ones but where you know you're supposed to get up in the morning and the, the family all discusses their dreams that night you know which is kind of cool because most families will look at you weird when you do that now so yeah i have a hard time remembering my dreams i smoke too much pot <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I I do keep a diary, although I, it's been almost a year since I made an entry, but I have like 150 pages of past entry. So I guess recent, it's like, well, I had that dream. That was interesting, but I, I'll just move on with my life. Second of my questions is, uh, I, I guess we'll focus mostly on Fitzgerald here. Uh, did he deserve his trip into the Twilight Zone? Yeah, because didn't they brag about how many kills they got? Yeah, that's what I think. Because I was like, oh, he didn't deserve it because he seemed like so, you know, chill. Like, like some people flip out in these Twilight Zone episodes where he's keeps a level head. But yeah, then I was like, what did he do yesterday? <laughs> yeah, he slaughtered probably an entire family. Where again, this this karmic aspect of right the eternal occurrence, if you will, to to quote Nietzsche, where. Uh, Sometimes man, right, the whole premise behind that is man is, needs to suffer in order to become his, right, the uberman, the superman. <laughs> but again, the karma that even Pythagoras talked about it, where depending on your nature of how you lived your life, you became an animal. So like a person of timid nature or, or gentle nature living in their life would become like a deer in the reincarnation, right, the Ouroboros. Mm. So I think it was some sort of, of karmic thing where yeah he did get what he was coming to him because but at the same time they're they're doing what they're being ordered to so it's kind of like a paradox they don't a lot of people don't want to be there especially what's happening right now in ukraine and russia where you see these videos of these soldiers just crying because they don't want to fight nobody wants to nobody wants to go to war it's it's ugly it's bad it's horrible but you have to be there or else, how like you said earlier, what are you going to do? Go AWOL? And then what? You're going to be dishonorably discharged. I don't think they kill you nowadays how they did back then, right? You would you'd have your head cut off if, if you abandoned, right? Or did uh, was it Sempuku or something, whatever it is that they kill themselves. But times have changed since then. But right, just the disgrace of you abandoning this post that you had. But I do think he did get what he deserved. Not... I want to be careful with that not what he deserved but what do they say you you get what's coming to you or something like that what's the saying how does the saying go yeah you get what you deserve sounds about right you get uh just dessert just desserts <laughs> yeah you you get what you know you get what's coming to you or whatever i've heard that before uh, but i don't know if he deserved it i think he was a good guy he had a family too didn't he didn't he have a picture that he put out was that his up that, that was his higher up right um it might have been the higher up but you know his captain would have been just as complicit in what they did yesterday as he is. So, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, if I go, like you said, if I take out a village, if I do it with a wild manic rage in my eye, or if I do it with like a cold level headed efficiency, does it really matter? <laughs> yeah, I still yeah, did the horrible thing. Yeah. Yeah. You still did the deed. I mean, it's, it's bad either way you put it. Well, I was doing it under orders. Well, you still did the, the Nazis said the same thing. We were under orders. Well, you're still a POS, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, it's the thing I, I mentioned in movies where the villain's like, if you don't do this, I'm, it's, it'll be your fault that your loved one dies. It's like, no, it's going to yeah. be your fault. You're the one pulling the trigger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I understand you still want to save your loved one, all that. But just as far as where blame, where karma falls, I should say, you know, in that situation, of course, it's not if the hero lets the villain take out their loved one I, I would say the karma is still on the person pulling the trigger mm -hmm. yeah they, i think they'll get what they deserve what they deserved on their own on their yeah. own time you know what i mean because yeah, they yeah. were all doing the same thing there the, the, these army guys were all killing people 
they were all they bragged about how they took you know, how they did so good that day zero casualties and they conquered a bunch of land or whatever it was and there were it was a collective right it was it was uh you know, gustav leban where he talks about the the crowd where these the, when you get a group of people together they become their own entity so a group is only as smart as its dumbest person in it yeah um oh, what was it? I, I just had a on that oh yeah yeah uh, world war one when they sent the americans over and they were fresh troops and you know they found that they were basically shooting over the the enemy's head most of the time like they mm -hmm. weren't willing to actually shoot a person so you know it took <laughs> they had to step up their basic training to you know i guess uh, strip them of a bit more of their soul so they shoot the person yeah manchurian candidate type style thing like just mk ultra all of them and just make them do what you want to do <laughs> Right, because I mean, it, it. I can't imagine there's very many people that are willing to pull the trigger on someone they don't know or that they do know. You know. <laughs> well, I think it's easier when you don't know them. That's the whole aspect of war. You don't know that entire the the entire life that that man lived. And I think it's I think not condoning violence or anything, but I think that makes it a little bit easier. And especially shooting somebody from far away. It's not the same thing as stabbing somebody up close. It's more personal. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was doing a podcast a, a few days ago. We were talking about um, the James Bond film Moonraker, but uh, Austin Powers came up. And in the international cut of the first movie, there's some extra scenes where every time Austin Powers kills someone, it cuts to like the henchman's house with someone knocking on their door and like delivering the news. <laughs> and like the, the wife like breaking down. It's done very dramatically. I guess they cut it because it was like maybe too dark for Americans. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, uh, it, it's the duality of life, right? While somebody else is, it's unfortunate, but while somebody is dying, somebody else is being born. So it's that, that again, the eternal occurrence, recurrence where. It's life and death, just an internal cycle, the Ouroboros, you know? Yeah. Um, the last question I put out on these is, um, as you said, there's quite a psychedelic element to a lot of these. So I don't, I don't put them on a quality meter so much because they're, they're, even when it's not so great, it's usually somewhat fun to watch. But I do like to put on the tripometer. Zero being not trippy at all. Five being extremely trippy. Uh, you can use a decimal point. You can make up a number if you want, but where would you put this on the tripometer? Two and a half. It, it was pretty cool, but not like, wow, I, oh, that's crazy. It's okay. I was expecting more at the end. I didn't know it was going to end because again, I hadn't ever watched Twilight Zone. So I didn't know how short the episodes were. And when I was watching it, I was expecting more at the end. I was expecting them to go and you were going to see them, you know, die, but it being the, time that it was maybe their special effects or something and it ended more abruptly than i thought how long it was going to go for that does happen the fourth season of this show actually goes up to um an hour meaning i guess 45 minute long episodes mm. which didn't actually go that well um really yeah i mean there are some good ones there but it seemed like that little short blast tended to work better in the end um the new one since it's streaming, they can have one where it's like 50 minutes, another one that's like 35 minutes, which I think is good because now it's like we just use the length our story needs. I, I so. think you should start doing Black Mirror, bro. I mean, I think Black Mirror is up there. I accept the last season, but breaking down the episodes of Black Mirror, I think would be cool. Because oh, yeah. that show is trippy, bro. No, that, that's why my introduction here is the Twilight Zone and beyond. We, we will be getting uh -huh. beyond after the Twilight Zone. So Nice. <laughs> Night I'd galleries. like to join you on one of those because that show is trippy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
Black Mirror is definitely on that list. So um, this is one I plan to continue doing the weird anthology shows. Oh, as far as my own number, uh, because I liked the face effect for you, I will give it a three. <laughs> <laughs> really? Why'd you, why did you? Why did it resonate more with you? What, what did you find about it? I think the simplicity spoke to me. Like, um, and, and also, you know, I'm a film geek, so they just had all the lights on one side of the studio on and just flipped it to where the lights were like on the other side, something, something along those lines. It was just a real simple shift in lighting. That it was did. a guy with a flashlight underneath. He was just like turning it up as the camera was zooming into them. Right. Imagine it's just a guy there. Yeah. That's it's a all- level of tech <laughs> that that's totally a level of tech. And, and I appreciate that. I like, you know, when ed wood made like a hubcap into a flying saucer yeah that's cool <laughs> I, yeah, one, yeah. one of my favorite special effects ever is um uh, the lot the volcano exploding in london in the uh, 1960 time machine i think it's a terrible effect but it just it has so much an imagination and creativity to it that i just love it it's like it doesn't really look convincing at all but it looks awesome <laughs> that's why i like these older not not so much the newer remakes and the one that i can think of that i love is, is the thing the 70s the thing or the eight i think it was 82 or 83 something like that yeah the that the special effects in that right for its time it, it it adds to the aesthetics of that movie and it makes it that much better because you watch the new one with all the cgi and i think it's because you know it's cgi and it doesn't look right i think that turns me off a little bit more than watching the 80s one i prefer the 80s one over the newer make because the aesthetic of right the 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 original alien right the first movie where the xenomorph looks a certain way and that's iconic it's 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 gonna forever be like one of the best things ever because of the aesthetics of it not so much the newer stuff where it's just cgi and it's just a computer animated thing that you know what I mean? It's like different. I, I I feel like the older stuff is more in the flesh and the newer stuff, you know, it's some sort of CGI. So it doesn't look as as real to me. You know, you know what I mean? It doesn't look as real to me as it would uh, with the original, where at it's, that time to those people it was real. You know, it's missing the the gravity and the mass, the, the real mm-hmm. shame. I, I actually haven't seen the newer thing. Um, I have seen the 1951, weirdly enough, but uh, mm-hmm. I haven't seen the newer one. But um, Apparently they did practical effects and then the studio execs in, in a, you know, one of the, uh, out of their budget. <laughs> quint, no, no. One of the quintessential uh, badge voice by studio execs. Uh, they kind of, no, they did the practical effects and then like put CGI over them. <laughs> really? Yeah. So theoretically there should be a cut of that film possible with practical, a lot you of said practical effects. You the 50? Effects. The 50? No, oh, no, no. The newer one, the newer one. Oh, okay. Okay. I got you. Yeah. They, no, no, they actually they actually did the practical effects but covered oh. it up with cgi so it's like oh, oh interesting yeah so there must be a cut of that where you could watch it without the cgi and i'm I'm curious if that would play better so yeah that's i'll have to look that up the, the other thing the other thing about oh god i'm doing it again sorry i've done a few podcasts about the thing and you get a, the thing about the oh, thing, thing, thing ah! <laughs> <laughs> but um the other thing is <laughs> the rest of the, the 1982 one. It's so low key. It's basically mostly just dudes talking in rooms, you know, and shots mm-hmm. of like ice. So when those effects do come out, like you do just have 
you don't know what to do. Just like the guys in that movie. They're just like, what is happening? How do I even consider accepting this as reality? Well, that's the whole thing about the thing <laughs> where it's trippy and it's psychedelic because you don't know who it is. You know, it's one of you in this room. Nobody's getting out until we figure out who it is. And when it finally reveals itself, you're freaking out because you knew it was coming. It's again, it's this very Lovecraftian aspect where it's there. You don't know when it's coming out, but it's going to do something. And it plays out very well. It's one of my favorite movies ever, to be honest with you. I hadn't uh, seen it until I podcasted about a year and a half ago. Uh, really? I'm Because I'm, I'm that movie had a very bad reputation for about 20 years. And then everyone suddenly decided they loved it because it is good. It was kind of ahead of its time. So I grew up hearing, oh, that movie's horrible. And uh, I don't I, pay attention to critics, bro. I, I watch it for myself and make my own assumptions. No, and that movie. Oh, yeah, that that is a, a fantastic movie. So, when, yeah. Although at the same time, you know, I got to watch it like much later and really like fully appreciate it the first time I saw it. So that probably yeah. helped as well. But uh, I, I guess we should be rolling this one to the deck since we're talking about the thing now. I, I do like talking about the thing, except for that horrible <laughs> pun that keeps reoccurring. But uh, <laughs> uh, Juan, can you tell them a bit about your podcast? Yeah, so it's the one-on-one podcast. You can find me anywhere at the one-on-one podcast on all social media platforms. Got a Patreon as well, patreon.com slash the one one podcast. And I talk about the occult, the esoteric, conspiracies, a little bit about everything. It's a it's a it's a project I've been working on for two years and change now. And it's really evolved. It's changed me as a person. I was listening to the first podcast I ever did, recorded in the first interview I ever did the other day, and I was cringing at myself because I'm a completely different person. And I was talking to my friends the other day about trailers and i remember the first trailer i did and i go why am i going to give that to somebody to plug if i'm a completely different human right now from doing all the research that i've done and in my quote-unquote awakening process if you will and yeah it's just a podcast where i cover crazy conspiracies and connect the symbolism talk about alchemy talk about a bunch of different things and i got a bunch of different projects going on one being with mark from my family i'm crazy and chris from mensa well, we have Illuminati confirm us where you heard me. And we, again, dive into the occult, the esoteric side of things and of, of reality because it's a real thing. And I think not a lot of people are, right? The sim- You can choose to read between the lines if you'd like to. And I think my show really breaks it down and shifts paradigms. I've had people write to me like, wow, man, I can't, that blew my mind. That, that, and, I, and I write, I'm like, hey, blew my mind. I was on there. You know what I mean? Like it blew my mind and I was on the episode. It was my show. So again, I think it's, I, I consider podcasters the modern day alchemists where we use words to transform the thoughts of people. And I'm here for a good time, not a long time. So try to make the best of it. As for us, when it's time enough podcast for time enough pod on Twitter, Facebook, all that sort of stuff. Um, we're on Patreon under Podcastio, Podcastiest, where you can hear other stuff like Matt and Luke's Sci Fi Sanctuary, where we talk about sci fi films, Oral Hygiene, where we talk about like caught films, documentaries, that sort of thing. And there are some podcasts there for Pokemon, Luke loves Pokemon, and Monster Hunter with a monster mash. I'm, I'm not a hardcore gamer. You will not hear me on those, but those are some other ones we do. So, yeah, Juan, thanks for jumping down this rabbit hole with me. It's been groovy, so. 
Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on, man. I liked it because it was different. And I, I thought I'd give it a shot. So thanks for having me on. Appreciate you. Groovy. search for me, as I know from who and where I come. Those perceptions now saw as a falcon, divining what before was vanity. The heat haze of the will shimmer over the diary I write in. Strangely sated in this land of thirst. But my word, how long eight days actually is. So let those thoughts run, Bedouin. I went and took my chances of the Atlas Range Dark. Adventure as your compass, you're ultimately the far off track. <laughs> <laughs> 